in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Patrick Mahomes expects to play on Sunday. Andy Reid said yesterday that Mahomes is doing okay. And the quarterback's mindset is that he's going to play against the Bengals in the AFC championship game. Does anyone think he's not going to play? No. Okay. All right. Chad Henning looks pretty good out there. They're going to shoot that thing up. Like he, he won't even be able to feel that. He won't even know he has an ankle. I guess technically we need, uh, you know, reports and stories on his ankle because it is a big deal, but it's like, is he, or is he not going to play? I don't feel like that's the question. It's, can he feel his ankle? Can he move? (laughs) Like, I think those are like, he's going to play. He's going to take a snap from center to start the game. Mm -hmm. But how effective is he is the better question, not is he or is he not going to play because he's very clearly going to play. He's going to play. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you rolled your ankle? I've never rolled it as bad as Patrick Mahomes did. I've never rolled my ankle where I couldn't walk later in the day. Okay. I have, but uh, I didn't realize it because I may have been imbibing something. I felt like I couldn't walk for like three days. So... I have where people stepped on it, and the next day you look at it, and it's just nothing but purple and yellow. Yeah, your calf, just you get cankles, but it's because you've got blood and it's swollen. Yeah, this is going to be good. This will be good for him. Valid question, for sure. Artie Moreno is not going to sell the Angels. Uh, Last season, the Moreno family announced they were exploring opportunities to sell the Los Angeles Angels, but now they have decided... To keep the Angels. I imagine Angels fans are sad. Yeah. Yeah. Did they uh, decide or did there no did no one actually like I was gonna say, I wonder how much I wonder what the the best bid was. Or if there were any serious ones. There's no way a sports team went on sale and didn't have serious bids, right? I mean the Angels? So. They're in the biggest market right. in the world, even Anaheim? though they're not in it. There's no, there, I can't imagine there. I feel bad offers. for Arnie. He's gonna lose the. Feel bad for him? Yeah, he's gonna lose Otani to the team up. Uh, oh boy, up north, and it's gonna you know the Mariners. <laughs> what do you do? You think it means anything that Otani is more or less likely to stay in with the Angels? I don't think so. I think he's going where he's getting paid the most. I think it might going, mean a little bit less. It might make him a little less likely to, to leave to to know to stay. Oh yeah, okay. because they haven't been good, and, they, and they, there was a chance that new yeah. ownership could have come in and said, "Hey, here's our plan to win. Right, we're paying you. Let's do this." Whereas right. with Moreno, Shohei Otani, Pablo Lopez, said, "Oh, it's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same dude, and we haven't won, and we didn't go to the playoffs again." Hey, at least they drafted some pitchers. <laughs> they did do that. They have not been to the postseason since I think 2014 is the last time they went, which is with one of the best players. Ever. Yeah, which is an incredible amount of time for a baseball team to not go to the postseason. Key point, a baseball team that's spending money to win. Right. right. Like, that's right. not a long time for, like, oh, the Pirates the are Pirates, trying. Yeah. The Royals. Right. But, like, the Angels spend money to 
conceivably try to win and they haven't been since i think it's 2014 that's in, that's incredible to be trying in that sport and fail for eight years you gotta be kidding me derek sean payton is scheduled a second interview with the broncos according to jeff duncan broncos are the first team to get a second interview is he just doing this to make other teams jump in here because they say there's just no chance you want to take that job we've we've talked about sean payton and and if we think he's doing this for some alter ulterior motive right the whole contract is that was thrown out there of four or five years at 20 to 25 million a year and it's like does he really want to coach or does he just want to trick somebody into giving him a hundred million dollars for the next four seasons here's the thing if you're the broncos if you're getting sean payton and these reports are true you're signing him to a four or five year deal worth a hundred to 125 million dollars and you're sending a first round pick most likely to the new orleans saints they do have a first round pick uh at the end of this year's draft that's a lot for a coach that's a lot from an asset standpoint giving up a first round pick and that's a lot from just a monetary standpoint from your ownership group I mean, why do I think the monetary is even more damning? Well, it's Walmart. They got Walmart million dollars. It is so Walmart. So they might not care yeah, as much. Yeah, you're right. It is Walmart. It is so, Walmart. Still, though, 100 to $125 million for a coach? It's a lot, especially for just four or five years. At least Gruden's was $100 million over 10. 10 years, yeah. If he had been good, it would have been a decade, not yeah. half a decade. If you're going to do all that, you've got to be 100% convinced John Payton's turning Russell Wilson around. Yep. Like you, like there can't be a doubt in your mind that he's the guy. If you're giving up a first and you're giving out a hundred to $125 million, you've got to be convinced this guy is turning Russell Wilson yep. back into at least a top least, 10 quarterback right. or whatever number you want to put Shades of Russell Wilson. Right. And I don't know that I'm a hundred percent convinced right. that Sean Payton or anybody is going to do that. So that's a that's a tough situation unless there's some other plan of hey yeah. Russell Wilson's out of here in a year and we're going to eat the dead cap hit or something like that and then we're good to go based on like empirical evidence do we have anyone that was successful somewhere and then goes somewhere else and continues the success because I'm trying to think of like in after, terms of coaching yeah after Bill Parcells won his rings he kind of sucked everywhere else he went Andy Reid didn't I, win I a would, Super Bowl with Philly, but right. I I, I, I think that good. might be the does college like Pete Carroll does college count? Well, he sucked in the NFL, went to college yeah. and came back, and that's yeah. I mean, Belichick almost got the Browns put back together before going. So it's I just don't understand. Like this guy's won one ring. Is this like is this worth it? Maybe I'm maybe it, I'm over maybe I'm underestimating Sean Payton's ability. The the other thing the Broncos might simply be looking at is we're stuck with Russell Wilson for three more seasons. What's our best chance for Russell Wilson to be good? And they might say it's Sean Payton, and that's worth. We'll lose the first round pick. We'll pay him the money, and if that gives us the best shot at Two Russell Wilson, years of no first round pick. If that gives us Russell Wilson being just average that's worth it because we're stuck with this guy for three years. Yeah. We, if we can't turn him to at least average, we got three years of being the worst organization in the league. So come on, Sean Payton or whoever they think could do it the best. I didn't get like hitting the balls, but like the Lakers 
<laughs> are trading for Rui Hachimura. He's averaging 13 points for Washington, uh, shooting 33.7% from three, which is okay, but the Lakers uh, need shooting, and it's not great. They're sending Kendrick Nunn and like three second-round picks to Washington. How do you think LeBron James feels when he has been public about his desire for them to trade their first-round picks in 2027 and 2029 to get him some legitimate help when they bring in Rui Hachimura? I mean, I don't know if he's overly happy about Rui, although he is only four. He's in. He's only four games out of fourth place. That's right. <laughs> so go on a hot streak. Standings. Maybe Rui makes the difference. It might. It, in all seriousness, it might be the difference between eleventh and sixth, <laughs> sixth in the place, West exactly. at the end of the season. I do wonder how LeBron kind of feels. Obviously, he said it out loud about wanting them to trade a first-round pick. But, like, if LeBron, if the Lakers are in the play-in round versus if they're the sixth seed, nobody's going to think they can win the title. No. I guess if Anthony Davis comes back and is actually fully healthy, then maybe. Because LeBron's playing really, really well recently. I, I just, I'm curious what LeBron thinks the Lakers can actually do this year. Does he tr- does he believe this team can win a title, or does he just simply want, hey, if we can get to the second round, it's worth going all in because I want to get to the second round and not get bounced in the play in or the first round. He thinks that way. I mean, the Lakers shouldn't. The Lakers should be like, we are absolutely not trading those first round picks. Right. But I wonder if LeBron is like, does it matter to LeBron if he makes the second round versus the first round versus the play in, or is that all the same to him because he's a guy who has won championships before. I think the only gets, thing that matters to him are rings. That he gets measured on. And yeah. maybe he just views it as, hey, if we make the second round, then I can I go can crazy. Us. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, might, he might be like, well, if, hey, if we're the sixth seed, we get the Kings in the first round. We get the Grizzlies in the second round. We can do that. He's like, we can beat these right. teams. There's no Steph Curry running around shooting 40 foot threes on those teams. We got this. Mama didn't raise no uh, wuss. <laughs> Essence Booker. <laughs> Was named Mountain West Player of the Week. She averaged 19 and 5 for the Lady Rebels. Here's a fun stat. The Lady Rebels have had three straight Conference Player of the Week awards by three different players. That's what gets you to 10 and 0 in league. Pretty good. Justice Etheridge, Desiree Young, and now Essence Booker have all won Mountain West Player of the Week uh, in three consecutive weeks. They're 19 and 2 overall. They're unbeaten in conference play. Uh, they play Nevada on Saturday at the Cox Pavilion. We, we talked about this. If they win out they'd be like 27 get to the conference tournament final 29 i mean if you're close to 30 wins and i know the league isn't any good in terms of you know rankings you can't get in that large 30 and 3 i we it's got to be in. I, you can't tell me they can't get yeah. in with 30 wins 30 and 3 i think would have to be in as an at large it's just such a gaudy record and their their net ranking is going to be it's right now it's in the 50s so it's not like they're not going to be 30 and 3 with a net ranking of 127. They'll be right. 30 and 3 with a net ranking of like 49. 49. Which that's that's got to be good enough where if you don't reward that team, your committee's got an issue. Yes. Right? Because you'd be putting in some middle of the road, I don't know, big 12 ACC team. team. Yeah, 18 and 12. 18, exactly. Eight, I was going to say 18 and 12. Who's, who's five spots higher right. in net or something like that. And it's like, all right, what are you doing? Like, I think, I think the committee would say, oh, 30 wins. We're rewarding them, even right. though their net might be a little lower than we'd like to see. I think they'd get that reward overall. But uh, actually, Saturday, Mountain West scheduling. Good job. The women yeah, two host o'clock, Nevada two at o'clock, 2 at the Nevada, Cox. Red and out. Then, and then the men host Nevada right. at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock 
in Thomas and that. Yeah. So good. watch one game, go get like an early dinner, come back, right. watch the other. Yeah. That's really good. It's it's the Mountain West scheduling. A lot of times has been stupid in the past. Uh, this is very good. This is a good schedule by the Mountain West. All right. Now let's do one more. <laughs> I'm about to install Tinder. I'm so thirsty. The Ravens claim Trayvon Mullen off waivers. The Cowboys had waived him. This is a former Raiders second round pick. The interesting part about the Ravens claiming him, Trayvon Mullen and Lamar Jackson are cousins. Uh, okay, does this mean Lamar says, okay, I have to stay here now because Trayvon's on the team? This feels like a college recruiting yeah. situation. Does this feel like they're going to make come uh, here? If you come here, we're going to play one game in your home city? <laughs> yeah, that is what it feels like. You're from where? Texas, all right. We We're are going to play put SMU yes. on the schedule yeah. if you come here. That's what this this feels like when uh, Marvin Menzies got a Maury Hardy because his younger brother was really yes, good. Exactly. Now Hardy was a good enough player to get on his own, but that's what this feels like is a college recruiting situation where you're like, all right, we really want this player. Who does he like that we can recruit first <laughs> to convince him to come? Ah, Trayvon Mullen, his cousin. How, how funny would it be if Lamar Jackson and Trayvon Mullen just like didn't like each other? They went and got <laughs> Trayvon. They're like, I never liked him. Like that guy. He always showed up to family stuff, and I never ah, hated when he showed up. Christmases, we, we weren't that yeah, close. We left as soon as he showed up. Like it's, but it very much feels like, hey, well, can we do anything to please Lamar Jackson and get him to stick around? Maybe Trayvon Mullen's going to negotiate the contract for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Get it in there. It's a family affair. We're going right. to put your dad on the payroll. <laughs> no worries. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into the Golden Knights as they play again tonight. The press. Across to the right circle. Keller scores. Whoops it from the right circle. 2-0 Coyotes. Just a couple minutes into the second period. Valamaki left point. High to low. Taken in the corner. Schmaltz to Keller. He scores. Keller, 3-1 Arizona. Not down in front. Coyotes coming out two on one with an empty net. Schwartz ahead. All alone, it's Keller. Hot trick. Empty net goal for Clayton Keller. Third of the day. 18th of the season. Arizona, now a three goal lead. Four to one Coyotes, 4-0-8 to play. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. The Golden Knights are in New Jersey tonight to take on the New Jersey Devils. That game starts at 4.30. You can hear it over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace with pregame show before, intermission and postgame show. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, potential of what the Golden Knights do at the trade deadline because uh, apparently the Golden Knights are interested in Bo Horvat. Um, that is according to the fourth period. He's the Canucks captain. He's got 30 goals already this season. Uh, he's in the final year of his contract and makes $5.5 million. Uh, he's a name that the Canucks might be trading because, by the way, what are the Canucks doing? Did you see what they uh, did? With the coaching situation? What happened there? Buffoonery. Bruce Boudreaux knew yeah. he was being fired before, it before he got For fired. Week, weeks before it happened. The, the fans knew it. The fans applauded yeah. him in his last game before he was yeah. officially he fired. goodbye? I can't remember who had the report, but he, Bruce Boudreaux was apparently just sitting in his office drinking a beer when like players would just come in after the game and say thanks and say yeah. bye. 
and he got he got fired the next morning. He hadn't right. been fired yet. I don't know what the Canucks were doing there. Uh, but the Canucks might be trading somebody away. But here's, I, I think, the bigger picture question. Regardless of whether it's Bo Horvat or somebody else. Trade deadline's March 3rd. What should the Golden Knights do at the trade deadline this season? Do they know whether Mark Stone's coming back? That might determine what they do at the Do they know deadline. right now and are not telling anybody? They might. They might know the, the, the actual length of Mark Severity Stone's injury. Of it. I would assume they've got a better idea than what they've told us, which is what did they say he's week to week officially? Yeah. Okay. Um, but even there, let me ask you this, Mark Stone. Let's, let's just go with the hypothetical Mark Stone out for the season. Does that make them more or less likely to be buyers at the deadline? Might make them less likely to be buyers at the deadline. If they think he's out and they don't think they can make a run at the cup, I guess it depends on what you have to give up. Right. I mean, what do you have to give up for uh, for Bo Horvat? I, I I'm curious how the front office views it because does any do, do, do should we believe the Golden Knights can win the cup? At this point today, no. Right. And so, if that's the case, they should not be buyers at the right. deadline. Now, it doesn't mean they have to be sellers. You can stand pat, or you could do small moves. But if they can't win the cup, they shouldn't be buying at the deadline. They shouldn't be giving away some future asset for a short-term right. rental like Horvat would be. But I guess if if Mark Stone is going to come back, uh, and you know you think White Cloud's going to be healthy or something like that, if you think you're going to get a little bit healthier, and you go on a decent run in February, like it's an interesting point because there's a real chance when we get to March third. That the Golden Knights are in first place in the Pacific. Right. Sure. And we might still have the same argument. Well, are they really a cup contender? Are they really good enough to win it all? In which case, you you might be better off standing pat. But if you're in first place, you probably believe enough in yourself that, hey, if we can find a way to get Bo, Bo Horvat on the team or some other good player who's available, you probably talk yourself into doing it. And to, the way we've seen this front office operate, they're probably going to be buyers no matter what at the deadline. Oh, no question. They can't help themselves. <laughs> they can't help themselves. They always have to go get somebody. So I almost feel like if this team holds on to first place over the next month, right, and they're leading the Pacific as we get into that week before the deadline, they're probably going to be buyers because they're in first place and they think they can get it done. What if everyone's completely healthy, including stone and the, and the price is too much. Then you just stand pat. Has the price ever been too much for them? I mean, they traded away max Pacioretty for nothing and Dylan Coughlin just so they could re-sign Riley Smith. Right. Like they literally said, we'll give you two players for absolutely nothing. Yeah, did those draft picks ever come through? What were those? those? Future considerations. Future considerations. Not future happening. Consideration. They're never getting any consideration. They'll get some, <laughs> hey, pat on the back. From the Carolina Hurricanes GM when they meet him. That might be it, though. Those are the future considerations. I'm pretty sure that's what they offer uh, young journalism students to write yes. for your uh, blog. <laughs> I got a website. We'll give you future considerations. <laughs> it's good exposure for you. Good as experience. A good experience. But I feel like if they're in first place, healthy or not, and they're still in first place, and they get to the deadline, I think they're going to say, we can do this. We're going to be buyers at the deadline. But I also think... If they fall off a little bit and, and fall to maybe if they're fourth in the Pacific and they're in a wild card spot 
or something like that. I also think they'll look at that and say, well, we need something to make sure we get in. So we're going to be buyers. Right. right. So I, I think almost no matter what happens over the next month, they're going to be buyers. I guess if they suffer, if like Eichel, Petrangelo, Logan Thompson, if all these guys suffered significant injuries and it's like, oh, Phil Kessel's our third best forward now, then maybe they'd be like, all right, injuries crushed just us. Just stand pat and just move through the season. But as long as that doesn't happen, if it's like, hey, if it's not a ma- massive, extremely negative month, I think they're going for it no matter what. I think they're going to try to be buyers. They're going to well, do whatever they DNA. can that's what they to do. move cap space and yeah, be buyers. That's what they do. Man, I, I'm I'm a little torn on this. This is bad sports radio because I don't have a hot take on. I'm a little torn on if they should be or shouldn't be. Like if they're if they're in first place, even if you don't look at the team and think, oh, they're really good, that's a cup contender. If you're leading your division, you've yeah. got a shot. It's hockey. It's not basketball where like the better team all. It's hockey. You can you can win. I mean, hell, you can win if you're the wild card team, but you can win. I mean, they're leading it now. I guess point percentage, maybe not with Seattle. Do you really think internally they believe right now today they're a cup contender? I bet if you asked them that question, they well, would publicly say publicly they would say yes. Well, I think if you got an honest answer, they would say by the time the playoffs roll around, we will be. I think that's what their answer would be is once the playoffs get here, we will be a cup contender. Whereas maybe they look at it right now and say things are a little rough at the moment. A lot of um, injuries. There's injuries. We're not playing well. What have they lost four or five right now? Yeah. We're not playing well. Injuries. But by the time we get to the start of the playoffs, we'll be a cup contender because Mark Stone will be back. Bruce Cassidy will turn it around. And we traded for Bo Horvat or whoever that guy is. I think that's what their thought process would be is by the time the playoffs get here, we will be a cup contender, even if right now it doesn't. Well, then if they think that way, then they're going to be buyers. Right. But I, and I, but I'm just torn on, is that, I don't know if that's a smart thing to do because again, if you're in first place, you've got a shot. So you, should be a buyer because you're you got a shot at it. But if you don't really feel like a cup contender, if you're like, eh, what do we got to do to win the cup? We got to go through this these three teams or something. Then maybe you stand pat and just hope it works out for the best. I think I'd be okay with them buying if if they're in a playoff push because they could win the Pacific. They could win oh, the sure division. They could win the Pacific. They could yeah. they could win the first two rounds of the yeah. playoffs against Pacific Division teams and, and right. be in the Western Conference Final. And then at that point. You know, yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, you're the Canadians, and you have no business being there. Right. And look at that. You're in the Stanley Cup right. final. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. Time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to do, I'd have already done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. Yahoo Sports' Charles McDonald joins the show. Follow him at 4Verts on Twitter. Charles McDonald started this season as a uh, Patrick Mahomes supporter. He didn't understand why people didn't have Mahomes as the best player in the NFL. Uh, Charles is one-legged Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL. Um, I don't know, but he might be tied for like the first best quarterback. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing the thing again. Like I, I, I saw like Dan Orlovsky say yesterday that. Patrick Mahomes is the best player at quarterback in the NFL, but Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL. It's like you're you're doing the thing again. Uh, <laughs> this this is this is really easy, guys. Like I I don't know. If people are just like bored of of his greatness or bored of how good he's been. But the guy is about to win his second straight, or not second straight. The guy's about to win 
uh, his second MVP, his fifth straight AFC title game, and he's 27 years old. Like I, I don't really know what people are are, are thinking when they say that uh, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. Like by any uh, objective measure, whether I, I, I guess objective is not the right word because we're we're here, but. Uh, to me, by any measure, I test data. Uh, you want to look at what he's accomplished so far. He's like by far the number one quarterback in the NFL. Like to the point where there, there's, there's like the Mahomes tier, and then there's like the elite but flawed quarterbacks in the next tier. And it's just okay that we have that. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's fine. Like I don't really know why we have to push back against the notion that. No one's really in his class, and no one has accomplished what he's accomplished in his first five seasons or so, uh, literally like in the history of the NFL. So, uh, But it makes it easy for me because people get to ask me a dumb question like, oh, why do you think Patrick Mahomes is underrated? <laughs> and I get to say, because someone thinks that Joe Burrow is as good as him. <laughs> See, I, I'm actually jealous because as a radio host, finding a take that you can just preach over and over and you have like no chance of being wrong is the oh, is what I want, and you nailed it. Yeah, I I, I gotta say this wasn't my uh, this wasn't my idea. I actually stole this plan from Nick Wright because I was listening to this uh, episode of the Right Time with Bamani Jones a couple years ago. I know, and episode. he was he, he was he was talking about okay, you know the episode where he was talking about I'm gonna find like the easiest hot take that I can latch myself onto. <laughs> and he LeBron. Said, LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron James is the best basketball player I've ever seen, which is like the coldest take you can ever have, depending on how old you are. But it's inflammatory to even people who haven't seen Michael Jordan play basketball. So uh, I got to do the same thing with this Patrick Mahomes take. It's not quite the same because I still have people ask me, why are you saying Patrick Mahomes is underrated? And then I can pull up the PFF chart from week one where it said he was like the seventh best quarterback of the week after playing shot touchdowns. So, uh, how uh, should the Patrick Mahomes is underrated bandwagon feel about uh, people betting the Bengals and making it go from Chiefs minus three to Bengals? I think it's minus one minus right one. now. Oh, I, I don't care, dude. But Joe Burrow could beat Patrick Mahomes fifty times in a row, and the fifty-first time, I'm still betting on Patrick Mahomes to get the field done. Uh, so, look, I, I, there, there's definitely a little concern here because uh, I, 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 I think the way that I thought that um, Bill's, Bill's Chiefs was going to be the great rivalry after the divisional game last year. Uh, it kind of seems like uh, Bengals Chiefs has, has developed that thing, and the Bengals, like, they kind of own the Chiefs number. But uh, And it's kind of crazy to say, a team as good as the Bengals is, and honestly, I think they're, they're uh, in certain ways a better team than they were last year when they made the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not going to be easy for like a hollow Patrick Mahomes to just beat them, but he's still Patrick Mahomes, and I'm sure he'll be feeling good and you know probably on cloud nine by the time that game starts, yeah. uh, based on everything we know about NFL and their their uh, their injury recovery uh, and, not, and how they handle that. So I I, I think it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for them just because the Bengals are you know one of the most complete teams in the NFL, but they don't have Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs do, so I'm still uh, I'm still going to ride with them. And if I'm wrong. Guess what? I'm going to double down again next year until he proves me right. Because again, he's already been to the AFC Championship game five straight times. So uh, I'm going to bet that there's going to be a six next year, even if he doesn't get the job done this weekend, and I get to keep riding this ride. 
Uh, you watched them last week against the Chiefs, and we asked this earlier. Um, in terms of the Jags, how close are they to that same level as KC, Buffalo, and Cincinnati? Are they far away, or do you think they're close? Um, I think they're close in, in the aspect that they have a quarterback that can be that good. Uh, I, I know Trevor Lawrence didn't have like the cleanest run through the playoffs, but uh, to me, but when you watch his tape, even going back to his rookie season, like there's some real evidence that he can be a guy that uh, you just need to get him like a couple dudes and you're going to have one of the better offenses in the league. And we saw him come back uh, against the Ravens defense and the Cowboys defense, two defenses that put the clamps on some good units uh, in this playoffs. And we saw him actually absolutely shred them when they needed a, a, a late win and a chance to come back. So, you know, I think Jacksonville is close from the standpoint where they have a quarterback that, potentially can be, you know, on the plane of a Josh Allen, Joe Bur- or Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm going to squeeze in Dak Prescott there, even though it looks kind of crazy after that game uh, on Sunday. And if you're going to be a team that has Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, who I would like to remind people as a Falcons fan, is like a legitimate number one wide receiver in this league. And you can bring Evan Ingram back. I mean, you're looking at a, a pretty talented uh, receiving core for him to throw to. You just need to show up maybe some of the protection stuff and you can get right back into the AFC South. But uh, I think as long as you have a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, you know, you're kind of like looking at that Joe Burrow quote that he had a couple weeks ago where he said, you know, the window's open as long as I'm here. And I think Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys, so they just kind of need to do it right by him and continue to, to stack talent, uh, you know, along the skill positions and maybe find another game breaker or two on defense. How much criticism does Josh Allen deserve for his playoff performances? Uh, I think he deserves a lot of criticism, but I also don't think it takes away from how excellent he is. Uh, you know, I think both can be true at the same time. You know, I, I, Josh Allen is—I—I um, I, I don't really know how to say this without sounding kind of mean, but uh, you know, someone described to me yesterday where Josh Allen is like the 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 best bad quarterback you'll ever see in your entire life where the guy he 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 makes just one percent plays on a routine basis that uh a routine enough basis i should say that really you know the only guy that can compare to it in terms of the level like physicality is like justin herbert and patrick mahomes uh but you know he does like these dumb things that make you go oh okay this is why he wasn't the first pick coming out of uh, coming out of Wyoming, like you know, running to this one side of the field and just flinging it back to the other side in the snow in the snow game uh, against a really good opponent. Those are the kind of things that are within his control that he can, um, you know, that 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 he can work on. But I also think, to a degree, and I know people don't like saying this about you know some of these quarterbacks that make it this far into the playoffs, but he could use a little bit more help out there. You know, this, this has kind of become to, to, to a, a certain extent, um, like what Cam Newton was doing with the Panthers, which is kind of interesting because Josh Allen had a lot of Cam Newton comparisons coming back, uh, into his time in the draft. But, uh, you've got Stefan Diggs and then largely the offense is like, Hey, Josh needs you to make a play, whether it's in the run game, uh, as a design runner on scrambles, trying to say guys in the pocket and find, uh, guys like Stefan, or guys that aren't Stefan Diggs down the field. I, I, to me, I, you know, I, I think Josh is an excellent player, but some of his own mishaps require him getting some help down the road. And 
that's not an indictment on how good he is. He's just not Patrick Mahomes, and that's fine. Can the Niners slow down Philly? Yeah, I think the Niners can slow down any any team. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to actually, you know, uh, how how easy it is going to be for them or how feasible it's going to be for them, but I. Uh, They've got like two defensive player of the year candidates in Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. Fred Warner made like the most spectacular play I've ever seen a linebacker making coverage uh, the other day against the Cowboys. I mean, running from like a double mug a front or a double, excuse me, a double a gap mug front all the way down the field to CD Lamb and breaking up that pass was uh, absurd. So they have the talent to get it done. Uh, but Philly is a really good team too, and I, I don't know. Like this is one of those games where. I can't decide which way it's going to go, but I know I'm really excited to watch the Eagles' offense versus Fort Mounted defense because uh, those are like arguably the two best units on those sides of the ball in the league. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. He is the man to explain why Patrick Mahomes is underrated. Charles, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Charles. All right, see ya. So there's Charles McDonald. I am genuinely jealous of the his ability to just be like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is, is underrated. You guys are all idiots. And that take is always going to be right. Patrick Mahomes credit, is good. For credit for remembering the one episode with Nick. So Nick Wright went on with Bomani Jones and just said, he basically said, I tried to find something that no matter what you said to me, I couldn't be wrong. And I just went, well, you know, LeBron's good. And people <laughs> went, what are you crazy? And he just went, Wow. Okay, I'll just become the LeBron is good guy. <laughs> you know a, who's a great baseball player? That's Shohei Otani. Right. That is, yes, I, that is something that I am jealous of that I need to do is just come up with a take where you can basically never be wrong. You, you cannot be wrong if you're like, LeBron is good. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. It's just great. Yeah. Like, just, I, I. I love that our jobs are so stupid. <laughs> They're very stupid. They are very stupid jobs. All right. We got tickets to give away. If you want to go see, what are we giving tickets away to? <laughs> Jesus. We've got the East I got a West Shrine Bowl. That's right. The Bowl, Shrine Bowl. And we've got Luke Bryan. We got two tickets to the Shrine Bowl. It's at Allegiant Stadium. You're also going to be qualified to win some VIP tickets where the food and drink is included. Uh, so you'll you'll win two tickets to the game, but you'll also be entered into a drawing to win some special VIP tickets with food and drink for the East-West Shrine Grain out at Allegiant Stadium. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Two tickets to the East-West Shrine Bowl. 702-364-1100. Be caller number seven right now. This high praise, but to have him out there is like having, uh, nah, I shouldn't even go there, but like he's having like Michael Jordan out there. Like he's your leader. He's your leader. He's your guy. He's your, like, like that's, hopefully that's the biggest respect I can pay to him uh, compared, <laughs> comparing to his ability to be in on the field uh, to, a, to a Michael Jordan type. Like this guy leads, he brings this calmness to the, to the entire team. He plays great football. Um, he's tough as, 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 as they come. Yeah, I mean, to me, there ain't nobody has played any better football than him this year. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Hey, is UNLV, do the UNLV have 46 scholarships to give out? Have you watched Twitter? (laughs) Everybody's got an offer. I mean, football, they... 
it seems like they've offered, which is good, I guess. Let's You're out go. There. Get yeah, the, let's go. Get the wide somebody. net out there. But man, they might be at the limit already. The That's way I look at who we'll figure it out later. Being committed. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, numbers. All right. All right. I'm perfectly good for fine them. with it. Yes, good for them. Hit the transfer portal. Find whoever because football more more so than basketball. You got to have the numbers. Like yeah. in basketball, you got to have the the two or three, two or three really talent. really kids. Yeah. Football is we need like thirty of you guys to be just decent for us to have a shot, and so it's yeah. transfer portal. Say bring them all. He's in. out there. He's out there offering. I'll tell you what. Listen, there's been more. UNLV just gave me my offer. If they brought in forty new kids this year, I'd be like, all right, they got a shot. Yeah. Like no problem with them going to the transfer portal and offering no. every player. It's, and it's not just transfer portal. It's high school kids. Too. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's high school kids. It's everybody. Tyler is not saying you need to re-recruit your own team. <laughs> you can do that. You can just offer them scholarships too. And then at the end of the day, say, all right, who are we cutting? We offered you a scholarship. Sorry, my man. We got more players than we thought we were going to get. Good luck somewhere else. Be fine with that. Yeah. But yes, they are offering a lot of people. <laughs> Can't go on Twitter without another offer. Uh, I need to read you a tweet that I think we need to break down. This is from Jason Sobel. Patrick Reed threw a T at Rory McElroy. Oh, which not might, a guy. Which might not sound like much, but this is essentially golf's version of a bench-clearing brawl. Dude, my guy. What do you think throwing a tee means? Uh, he got a tech. Uh, what does it mean why he did it? No, no, no. Physically, how did Patrick Reed throw this tee? There's not enough mass on a tee right. to get a lot of velocity. Because if going. you tried right. to wind up and throw a tee like a baseball, it's gonna like flutter. Yeah, and yeah. it's just gonna sort like it's gonna hit McElroy, and he's gonna think it was a fly landed right. on him. So did he like flick it like you flick a paper football or something at Rory McElroy? I'll say he threw it overhand. So it barely like it, it was barely, like a, eh. yeah. I I think to. if you I don't know what we don't know what happened. We don't know why Patrick Reed was throwing a tee at Rory McIlroy, but I have to. If if he was mad at McIlroy for something, he is going to be more mad after throwing the tee because there is going to be zero satisfaction in throwing the tee. Well, and how close was McIlroy had to be to even hit him? Right, because we we've talked about this like with throwing the remotes and stuff like that, or when I broke controllers playing video games and eventually stopped. When you're angry, there's a level of satisfaction you want when you throw something. Sure. It doesn't have to break. It doesn't have to cause damage. But you want, like, enough mass for it to, like, oh, yes, I threw that. The batteries flew out. If you throw a golf tee, you're going to be angrier after you throw it because you're going to throw your arm and it's just going to flutter in like a butterfly. And he really wrote that this is the, this is the equivalent of a brawl? I, I would not, think I would think maybe a golf ball maybe. Well, I don't follow golf enough. What's been the worst fight in golf recently? I mean, just war of words over right. the live tour. Guys don't actually physically do it. No, they just Tiger rip each versus other. versus his lower back. Right. Like yeah, they just rip each other. I I so I think he's probably right. This is the most <laughs> physical a golf fight's gotten is throwing a tee. Uh, there there also needs to be video of this. What are they doing on a Tuesday? Is this like practice before a tournament? Yes. Yes. So there's probably not gonna, there might not be video of this then because it might not be they're not, maybe they're televising and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, was he even angry? Maybe they're that, just, that is, maybe they're just well, messing around. There's, I don't know. There's been some other tweets about um, 
Patrick Reed being angry. Like this one, I don't know if nuclear golf is a reputable thing, but Patrick Reed threw a golf tee at McElroy after uh, McElroy ignored him on the range. Okay. Maybe he was just trying to get his maybe attention. He's, maybe he's just focused in. Yeah. You're right. Maybe he's just throwing the maybe. tee to be like, hey, Rory. <laughs> yeah. Talking to you. <laughs> this is great. What is. I, it's not like I threw something hard at him. Uh, I had a club in my right, hand. Yeah, exactly. I threw the tee. I could have done a lot more damage. Which is the, I guess that's the equivalent of the guy running at the pitcher and dropping the bat. Yes. Like, I'm going to go charge the mound. I have a weapon, but I'm not going to break yeah. it. It is funny that in sports there's an acceptable level of violence. Like dropping the bat before charge. Because if right. you actually wanted to hurt the pitcher, you take the bat you're with you. taking the bat. You're taking the bat with you. Right. And like, when if you want to hurt a golfer, players, you're throwing a golf ball. Yeah, when football players punch each other in the helmet, like, you're not punching the guy in the helmet if you actually want to hurt him. You're going to try to find yeah. another manner to hurt him than punch him in the helmet that's project that's supposed to protect them from 250-pound men flying at their heads, let alone your fist. What do you think of hockey fights? Um, well, they, they they're like very square up. You have to ask for permission. It's very gentlemanly right. when you get in a hockey fight. It's like you got to get permission. Okay, we're both going to take our gloves off. It's very, it's a very nice, orderly fight. And it's like, but yeah, if you just if you were actually mad at somebody, you just charge in and start swinging right. at the back of their head. You're not saying, hey man, yeah. do you want to punch each other in the face? No, you're take you're taking your stick in there and trying to take him down. So there's a funny level of like what's acceptable violence in the NFL and don't cross the line by carrying your bat to the pitcher's mound or, or don't, throw a tee at somebody. Don't snatch uh, Michael Crabtree's chain. Otherwise, you're going to start two fights in two seasons.